Hey, everybody. Uh, just a quick heads up before this episode gets going. This almost never happens to us, but we have kind of a little bit of technical difficulty during this episode. So Anna is going to be joining us via Skype, and unfortunately, her connection was not super great. And like the brilliant sound producer folks that we are, or Tom is really, uh, we have folks record locally, but in a cruel twist of fate, Anna's local recording also did not work. And so uh, we were forced to use the Skype track. Tom has done his best to edit around the issues, but there are a couple dropouts here and there. We apologize for the quality and uh, we think it's still worth hearing. Uh, it's not too, too bad and the, the content's really good. So we're putting it out there. Just please accept our apologies. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing to Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben, and I'm here today with my normal co-host, Derek, but we are also joined by Anna Jacobson from Drip. Hey, Anna. Hey, how's it going? I am awesome. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. Um, so I think it was last week or two weeks ago, I asked Derek, uh, what person or position did you hire uh, at Drip that had the most noticeable impact on the company? And his answer was you. And so I was like, all right, well, we're going to have to dig into that a little bit. So we figured have you on the podcast and talk a little bit about what you do and who you are and all that. And so maybe you could just start with, in your own words, what your role is. Yeah, well, that's really cool of you, Derek, to say that. I started with Drip just about two years ago. And by this time, there had been a few developers in the team. I was the first real non-technical hire. And because of that, my role covered a bunch of ground. Mm. I was marketing, I was customer success, I was in some ways support, I was sales. And there was part of that that I really loved. And I think that there's the kind of all hands on deck, Jane of all trades that I love about startups. You know, you really have to hustle and it's nice to be the person that's on the line for that. But my role has changed a bit. Right now, you know, I think a lot of folks know that Drip was acquired by Lead Pages, as Clay likes to call it, Aqua partnered. Um, mm. And it's been exciting to see so many folks come on and specialize in stuff that one or two people had to do, mm. kind of the majority of that work. Totally. And I, I mean, fun, fun might be the wrong word. Um, it's been a monumental shift in the way Drip operates and the quality of things that we can produce. Right. If you look at like our blog now, it's just amazing the content that's being produced and in so many other regards, but that's one of the more visible ones. So um, I used to do things like the blog and, you know, our marketing stuff and of course our sales. Um, I've niched down per the wise recommendation of folks at Lead Pages, and I'm now strictly Drip Education. And so my focus right now has been producing a drip certification course, which has been really needed in order to get that pipeline going where we have folks who are certified consultants. That's been a huge need for drip for a while, getting new users who have complex use cases onboarded in a way that's helpful to them and in a, a more advanced format. And mm -hmm. so uh, consultants can be really good for that. Uh, but I also do uh, produce like uh, funnel guides and give talks and show up at conferences and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. kind of runs the gamut of of how to use Drip well. Nice. So you gave a talk last year at MicroConf, an attendee talk on the sort of demo funnel process that you had built and evolved over time. Are you still doing much of that? Are you still doing running demos and such? Yeah, I will hop on to demos now and then. We have a really cool system. Um, we have uh, someone who's just dedicated to that. And so there will be times when we have a really big client or a new, uh, really big prospect come through. And I'll jump on those calls where mm -hmm. they need, might need a bit more depth. Mm -hmm. um, it also gives the prospect a sense of their importance when they have a VP and a director and you know a sales rep on the call. And so I'll jump in for those. But typically, most inbound requests are going to our sales rep. 
so the model I laid out at MicroConf was super effective for where we were at that time last year. We, at that point, had just hired another sales rep, um, and so it was myself and him. And so we had been able to scale a process that I'd built just from one person to two. But it's changed a little bit since what we talked about at MicroConf, where now we have someone who's dedicated to it, and that's all he does instead of doing that and customer success. Gotcha. Cool. Do you want to maybe talk through what that funnel looked like roughly around the microconf time? Because um, now you have the aqua partnering, you have a lot more resources now that you can throw at this. But I imagine most of our listeners have not quite so much. And so hearing how you did it when you were running a little bit more lean and mean might be useful for them. Yeah, I might back up a little bit so folks who weren't at microconf can hear how that progressed. Yeah, that'd be great. So to start at the beginning, if you actually listen to um, episode 113 of Giant Robobots, Rob comes on and talks about how he was doing some things that didn't scale for Drip, including product demo screencasts. Didn't necessarily have the bandwidth to get on the phone with prospects, but he would sit down and he would take some time to do some research. Are they an e-commerce? Are they a SaaS? Are they um, uh, info product? And he would record a 15 to 20 minute screencast for that prospect. They would all be unique and distinct. And he wouldn't reuse them. And so it didn't scale. Do you happen to remember, was that was there like a request a demo thing on the site? Or was these people just like emailing support and saying, hey, I have questions? Yeah, good question. There was no request a demo. In fact, that didn't come on until uh, maybe a few months after I was hired. And so these folks were all inbound through our support channel gotcha. or through knowing his email directly. And they would just inbound to him. And so around this time last year, so around February, March of 2015, not last year, two years ago, Rob started looking for someone to take this on. It's just something he couldn't, didn't have capacity for any longer. Mm -hmm. And I became that person. Um, and so he started passing off the inbound requests to me, and I would do a very similar thing, except I didn't do the screencast. I would have them live on Skype. And that worked to an extent for a while, but as I mentioned, I was doing a bunch of other stuff, and I didn't have the bandwidth to give the, the attention it deserved. So I wanted to scale it up a little bit, started to find ways to be more efficient, started using Calendly. That mm -hmm. changed so... like There was so much of my time that was spent back and forth with email tag, just getting time on the calendar. Um, Calendly was revolutionary for that. And it's such a simple tool. It just acts as your Google calendar, shows available times. And if you have a lot of folks trying to get your calendar, it's the best way to handle that, in yeah. my opinion. I'm a huge fan as well. Yeah, it's so good. And it's a really clean interface. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, it also integrates with Drip, which I'll talk about in a second. So then I realized that there were really qualified people I would talk to and then not so qualified people I would talk to. Mm. And I realized that I needed to start guarding my calendar a bit from those folks. Um, I didn't have quotas, but I think that many folks who do sales do have quotas and you have to figure out a way to make sure that you're only talking to the folks who are going to convert and be valuable right? Or, and, or even show up, right? So what we did is we then put on that request a demo button and we added in a drop down on that form that asked them how many subscribers they had. And that's the metric for Drip is if you have a lot of subscribers, you're going to pay more for the service. Mm -hmm. And so it would then filter off folks who had a high level of subscribers. They would go to my Calendly and then folks who didn't would go to a pre-recorded demo. And that actually freed up my calendar quite a bit. Did you ever look into or notice a difference between like the conversion rates of the your personalized thing versus those automated demos? You know what's funny is they converted really similarly, <laughs> which wasn't great for my ego. But I think there was some of it that spoke like that when you request a demo and you have a delay, that actually does kind of affect like you're sure, in the buying mind sure. when you create like request a demo. And if you can see the video right away, I think that actually had a difference. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So these were all. Uh, 
this is actually before Workflows launched. And Workflows launched around, what, February 2016? Yeah, January. Yeah, as soon as Workflows launched, that was kind of a pivotal moment, not just for how I did my process, because it allowed me to do a lot of refinements and fine tuning, uh, but also for the way you do a demo. Like the product is basically an entirely different product. So I had to figure out what's the best way to present this much more complex and nuanced product on this demo. Mm. And that was a big challenge. So one, I completely revamped my automation for workflows, I mean, for uh, demos in a workflow, put Calendly in as like this goal. So people who didn't schedule would keep getting emails from me. Nice way to kind of close that, that hole in my funnel. And then I had to figure out, well, how do I present this workflow on a demo in a compelling way? And what I had done before that is all my demos, kind of the content of them had been a one size fits all kind of thing mm. where it would be, here's feature by feature, what Drip does. I started to spend a lot more time investigating before the call what the, these people actually do. And I would kind of architect in my mind how to build a custom workflow for them. So these calls now, would I would build a workflow for them based on their use case, and it would just kind of knock their socks off. And then I thought, well, how do I leverage this to increase our trial to paid? Because Drip's model is 21-day free trial, and then if you stick around, you become a paying customer. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I got as many of the folks on these demos into a trial account as possible. So I have to kind of explain the structure of how Drip trials work. You can sign up for a Drip account. The first thing that we ask you is for your credit card. And by that, we have your email address. But if you don't enter your credit card, you're in this state of what we call paywalled. And so a massive amount of folks will jump in and kind of looky-loose. They'll give us their email address, but they don't provide their credit card. They're paywalled. They're kind of lost to us. Mm, I have this problem too. Do you? Yep. Yeah. And so it's like, well, what do you do to get those folks out of paywalled? How do you convince them to come back? You know. Mm -hmm. um, and for some people, that's a major obstacle is putting those digits into a box online. You know. Mm -hmm. So I actually leveraged this paywalled status to my advantage. I started opening up accounts for all of my demos. I started creating accounts that were unique for them. And the demo would then occur in their account that I created for them paywalled, they could access everything I created if they entered their credit card information. Mm. And so I would build these custom flows for them. And then my follow-up emails to them would be sent out if they didn't activate their account. And it would say, hey, you know what? We created a customized funnel that I believe will really make a difference for your business. You have 21 days to try it out for free or even just export it from your account and use it elsewhere. Um, this is kind of free work that has been done for you. Kind of present it as like, this is kind of some free consulting value add. Uh -huh. And it, nine times out of 10 people would come back and they'd access that paywall account and basically convert into a new trial. Interesting. So someone would enter the email, not enter the credit card, be in that paywalled state, and then would they request a demo at that point? Or would you just decide to take it on yourself to go build a funnel for them or build a workflow? There are kind of two camps here. There are folks that come in and there are those folks who are kind of drive-bys and checking out Drip who never really have the interest in a demo. Wouldn't even talk to those folks. This would only occur for people who actually requested a demo for me. And regardless of if they had a created an account or not, I would create that account for them. Gotcha. And then we would run that account on the call. Okay. Yep. I really like that because it's basically bait. Right? right. It's like you're like, I'm, I'm gonna sweeten the deal. Like not only is this your trial, but like it's already kind of set up. You just need to come in here and, and get access to it. But it's still behind that credit card. Exactly. And what's interesting about that is you hear folks talk, especially in SaaS, about concierge, right? And that's a, a huge line for folks to get more high-value accounts in their software. And what's interesting about concierge is you're now priming them for long-term customer success because you've built in a best practice into their account, especially with something with the complexity of Drip. You can find ways to build stuff that doesn't have really good logic. And if you have a good foundation from the outset, long-term customer success is much there's a much greater chance of that. And so 
this wasn't just a sales process. It was also a process to retain them longer um, and to have a happier user and to have better word of mouth referrals. So um, across the board, it's just a better process for us. Yeah, I think one of the really cool things about this is that we were never thinking about it from a sales perspective. I think, you know, when you started on Anna, I doubt the word sales was ever really uttered, you know, through the process. It was like, you're going to do customer success, you're going to do marketing, you're going to be you're going to help our customers get more value out of the product. And in the process, you're going to be essentially converting trials or potential customers into actual customers. And I think it's like, it's a really powerful way to approach it. I think a lot of us tend to be kind of allergic to the word sales anyways. And like, you know, we don't want to have like icky salespeople working for our company, but which not all salespeople are icky, but you know what I mean? That's kind of the the stigma at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of managed to do sales in a way that was really powerful and maybe, maybe not super scalable. Like we probably couldn't have done this forever, but I think it really helped us out when we were at a smaller scale to just be able to provide value to people and let that be the way to sell them. Totally. That resonated with me uh, particularly. I never wanted to call myself a salesperson. I didn't even think of myself that way. I got the most satisfaction personally out of seeing someone improve their business process. Mm. And even if they didn't use drip, I really enjoyed the calls where I could speak to something that they were doing and help them improve and think about something in a better way. And um, I think, Derek, you've seen those calls where I've gotten off of them and I thought, well, that's a really good call. Did we make the sale? I'm not sure, but I know that they got something out of the call and that was really satisfying to me. Yeah. Hmm. I like that mentality a lot. Sales through education. Yeah. You reminded me of this thing. So a mutual friend of ours, Brian Castle, ran a business called Restaurant Engine, which was uh, a tool for generating websites for restaurants. And he had this experience where he built this wonderful software that would help you build a website as a restaurant owner. And he kept like getting leads that were interested and then like, okay, you're all set. Like now you just need to go and set up your website. And like, I've made the tool as easy to use as possible. And he just kept having this experience where they would actually sign up, but then never go activate. They would never actually go click the things and make the decisions and whatever. And eventually he just like decided, like he started doing it himself and then realized I can charge like a hundred dollar setup fee or something and just do this for everyone. And that'll be a standard part of our process. And we'll have like just this, you know, a perfect activation rate effectively, because I'm just going to do it for you. Yeah. And I think, I oh mean, I have loved Brian's process, but you see those sticking points and you have to start to engineer ways around them and get really creative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you see some really fun solutions. Mm-hmm. So you must be like an expert at email marketing for various business types at this point. Uh, I think that you could say that. Um, <laughs> so we have we have some niches that we serve really well. Obviously, SaaS. Yep. And with the Aqua partner with Leadpages, their user base is predominantly info products coaches, trainers, and like lifestyle businesses. And so definitely have some thoughts on that. I think that one thing that you see a lot of folks get value from Drip is if they have any kind of subscription-based business, they have, uh, I think, even more enhanced value out of what you're getting out of Drip because they don't just use Drip emails for the sale, the initial sale, but long-term you have this relationship that's ongoing and you can remind the user about what value your business is bringing to them. And it helps with retention, reducing churn, and all that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that One thing that I've noticed is there are a lot of creative ways to use Drip, but usually people come back to one or two main concepts. And that's one, using Drip for for marketing to get people through their funnel and ultimately to get them to pay them some kind of money Mm -hmm. and then to ultimately reduce churn in the long run as well. And uh, with the uh, kind of release of workflows, 
that's even easier to set up because you can now start to see these holes in your funnel that you didn't see before. Hmm. And I don't know if you've ever used an automation tool that's just rule-based, which, you know, Drip used to be. I think you saw it at that point. Yep. There's a lot of gaps that you don't see. If you have one rule that triggers something else and then something else in your account and one link is clicked that's tied to this isolated rule in one of your accounts, that's something that doesn't give you a lot of visibility as a marketer to see what's working well. And one thing that I've heard time and again for, from Drip users is with workflows, it's not just something that helps you do like mind mapping. It also is something that helps to do inline analytics to see what's working in your workflow, where people are funneling up and getting caught. And Derek built this really cool tool into it that toggles the counts on where people are at in different steps. Mm -hmm. And so it's this visual analytics system too. It's not just your automation system. And so I've seen some really fun things come out of being able to see exactly where people are at in their funnels and then seeing people optimize based on that. Mm, interesting. So you, you sort of bumped into my follow-up question, which was, say you have a SaaS company that's doing basically nothing with email marketing. Where are the wins? And it sounds like you're saying help sort of nurture people through the funnel, get them to paid. And then after that, stay in touch with them, keep you know telling them how you're delivering value and to help sort of fight churn there. Yeah, I think that's a, a missed opportunity for a lot of folks. And I think Folks focus on marketing first because they got to get customers. But we all know that if you already have a customer, you got to do everything you can to retain that customer. Way mm. easier than getting a new one, right? right? And if you build in those post-sale, um, you really keep selling to them, honestly. You have to keep proving your value. And I think in some ways, that's what customer success is in terms of you know those triggered emails based on what someone has or has not done. But these lifecycle emails can really go a long way in making sure that someone sticks around. You have to look for these spots where someone might be dropping off, potential points where someone might churn, and then prescribe them the solution to keep them around and really fix the problem they may, might be facing that forces them to churn. Mm, yeah, I like that a lot. I'd like to take a quick moment to tell you about today's sponsor, FreshBooks. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelancer. Is it challenging? Yes, it is. But our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are worth it. The working world has changed. And with the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. Which is true. You can start stuff. You can strike out on your own. That's kind of awesome. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. This one's fully clouderized. It has been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way that you work. So what does this look like? Well, the new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features a lot of which seem to be around invoices because that is seemingly the life of the freelancer type. You are making invoices, you are sending invoices, and you probably spend a decent amount of time doing that. I have here a promise that this will happen for you in less than 30 seconds. If you want to send a professional invoice, boom, 30 seconds later, done. Want to get paid online? Sure. You can get paid up to four days faster. You can, people can give you a credit card just pay you when you've done some wonderful work for them. You can also even have some lovely tracking. So uh, presumably, I guess they're dropping a pixel on your invoice of some kind. So when your client sees the invoice, you will know. And you'll be like, hey, have you seen my invoice? And they'll be like, oh, no, I haven't looked at it yet. And you'll be like, liar, you've seen my invoice and I want you to pay me. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you. If you'd like to claim it, you can go to freshbooks.com slash giantrobots and enter giantrobots in the how did you hear about us section, and then they will know that I sent you. 
it has been kind of amazing to me how a quick email, like, I noticed that you didn't do X. Is something stopping you? Like, can I help you with the thing? Will generate like quite an, a great amount of conversation and let you save somebody that was otherwise going to be gone. Oh, sure. And let's say that you have somebody on your team, or maybe you're a solopreneur, and you have somebody in your pipeline that you know, if they start to churn, you better be paying attention to that person. You mm. have a special segment that they're like your VIP. Yep. And the cool thing about Drip is maybe you have a massive amount of users that you could never have the bandwidth to talk to. Hopefully you have a mass, massive amount of <laughs> users. But there's those folks that you were going to clear your calendar for. And that segment could be your VIP segment. They could get an entirely different message from you when they hit that point saying, hey, let's get, get on the call right now. Here's a link to my Calendly. You know, I want to make sure that you get the help you need. So here's what I'm noticing in your account. And I want to make sure that this doesn't happen again or that you get more value out of this. And so that's another really powerful way to use Drip. If you're limited in terms of your bandwidth, it helps you narrow in on just the right people to talk to with the right touch point. Mm, I like that. Any other things jump out to you as like low-hanging fruit or best practices or things like that? So one thing that I don't think is immediately obvious to folks Good email marketers oftentimes aren't given this tool to make sure they're doing efficient email marketing. But one thing that I love about Drip is we allow you to build kind of the best practices of what good email marketers do into the feature of Drip. And one of those is pruning operations and going in and checking in on who's most active and who's not. Mm. And you can go in and you can take a look at your list. And I think folks who've done email marketing for a while have had a number of different campaigns where it's kind of someone who's coming in a one-time use and saying, okay, this looks like an interesting product, but they, they end up leaving and never opening your emails again. Mm. It's pretty common. And so we kind of build two systems for you where you can kind of avoid this. You can prune people off or you can re-engage them and keep them active. And I think that's one thing that Drip really excels at is making sure that the folks on your list are super engaged, keeping your overall metrics high and then allowing you to get to people's inboxes and get conversions out of that. One other low-hanging fruit that I think that a lot of folks don't use and should be using is lead scoring. Lead scoring is something that you can out of the box customize in Drip. You could say if they visit this page versus that page, you can give them higher or lower points. And if you don't have time to go in and look at every lead, which pretty much no one does, lead mm. scoring can save your bacon. You can see in a kind of a graphical view who's going to be most valuable to you. So you don't have to think that through. If you're just starting out, you want to go in and enable lead scoring, customize it. Super easy to do. And to my knowledge, Drip's the only platform that will let you do lead scoring for free. I think every other platform you have to pay at a pretty high rate to do that. So really powerful stuff. And then people get this score. You can filter on it and say only people with 100 or 120 or only um, people who visited my pricing page and have 120 lead score will get this campaign. So lots of advanced stuff you can do with lead scoring. Hmm, nice. I want to zoom back in time a little bit and ask, how did you and Rob find each other? Like, What was the hiring process like? Do you remember what the job description said? What was that? Oh, man. Rob's been a friend of mine for a while. Okay. Yeah. I met Rob, I think, in 2012. And we were more acquaintances for a while. I went to, I think, the second microconf and spent some time talking to him there. Why were you there? I was there because I was getting into the Fresno tech scene, which was kind of burgeoning at the time. Mm. And I really wanted to understand better the mindset of an entrepreneur because I was getting into some um, nonprofit work with a coding competition there. Mm. And I wanted to do better at that. And so understanding the entrepreneur's mindset was really helpful, having conversations with them and learning from them, frankly. 
And so I took the knowledge back to a competition called 59 Days of Code, which is actually still going. It's a, now a nonprofit in Fresno, which is kind of pushing the region forward. Really cool stuff there. And so met Rob there. He and I were both members of a co-work space in Fresno called The Hashtag. Still is around. They do cool stuff. Mm. And he actually became my mentor in March of 2014. He became my mentor. I actually started a digital consultancy in Fresno. Mm -hmm. How did that thing happen? So I, I worked at a tech accelerator tech uh, called Bitwise Industries, mm-hmm. and I was doing their sales, their um, administrator work, did uh, what their marketing, kind of kind of Jane of all trades again, kind of a common theme there. Yep. And there got to a point when I when I did want to niche down, and they were opening up, a, um, they had a software consultancy, and they were like, we have a need for digital marketing within the software consultancy. Who wants to run this up, head this up? And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do the Jane of all trades anymore. I want to specialize. I ended up transitioning out of that, starting the digital consultancy, getting up a book of clients, and I needed a mentor. And so Rob kind of popped into mind. By the way, Rob is an investor in that company, in the mm. Bitwise Industries. So okay. I did about a, a year of that, and I realized that client work wasn't my jam. And I was talking to Rob about it. He said, you know what? If you need a connection, he's super generous, by the way. He's like one of the best people to have as a mentor. If you mm-hmm. need a connection or introduction, I'm happy to introduce you. And so I, I told him I really want to do specialize in customer success for a SaaS product and ended up talking to a number of different companies, was about to accept an offer. And then he called me up and said, hey, before you accept that offer, I want you to think about something. And it took me, you know, half a second to say yes. Nice. Yeah. And I... Honestly, it's one of those things where you look back and you think, if I could work with my best friends on a product that I love and I know our users love, that would be a dream job. Mm. And I got that, you know, and uh, it's been kind of a wild ride since then. Derek's been a real friend that you, even if you don't, weren't working together, you'd still want to hang out constantly, which we do. <laughs> um, Rob's the same way, kind of close with his family and moved out to Minneapolis with both of them, joined the Lead Pages family. And it's been a, a really amazing journey with them. Mm. I, I can recall around that time when uh, we were talking about bringing Anna onto the team, Rob and I had been having conversations and we were like, we really need someone who can help out with some marketing stuff. And then we've also got, you know, customer success needs, like people are pounding down the door wanting demos, like, and that's really not in most scenarios, it's not one person, you know, you need multiple people to fill Mm -hmm. those different roles, because they're really kind of distinct. But when you're early on, I think it's especially important to find those people who can be, you know, like the Jane of all trades and and not that, you know, that's the mode you're operating in forever. But, you know, even still to this day, many of us kind of wear multiple hats on the team. And I think that's a really powerful ability to have on your team when you're really small and you can't mm-hmm. necessarily afford to just scale out all the different, you know, you can't afford to have a sales team and a marketing team and a customer yeah. success team. So like when Rob brought Anna up in a conversation, he's like, hey, Maybe we can bring Anna onto the team. I had already known Anna for a few years and I was like, just seeing her chops in all the other things she's done, like it was going to be a perfect fit. And, mm-hmm. and it was. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it does. I do seem to keep hearing this theme of like early on generalists seem to win. Yeah. Like hiring those specialists early on is not generally going to work for you. Yep. I think that's totally true. Mm. Also, and I'm struck by like how long that relationship lasted before you started working together. Like that, that, that rings true to me of the, like, for instance, like the reason I work at ThoughtBot was because for several years, someone at ThoughtBot was like, kind of like staying in touch and we did some stuff together and we were friendly and we just like, it's often that long game where these like things really pay off is like those relationships that start and then build and build and build and then eventually turn into something. But 
I'm not surprised to hear that Rob is generous with his time and that, that kind of connection because it seems like the more successful someone is, the more they are that generous person. Like it might not be that it's correlated, but actually like it somehow causes it. Like just help being that helpful and, and generous seems to, I think, influence your success. And that's, I, it's the chicken or the egg, you know, like I think that that's, that's the person that I want to be, right? And so he's a mentor in so many ways. And I think it's kind of a lifestyle that I want to live. But I do believe that that propels you towards success. As you give, you get more, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a, a no-brainer concept. But um, to see it lived out in a life like that, I think is uh, really inspiring. Mm. Derek, are there any questions or topics or anything that we are, are maybe skipping over that you think could be good? I actually had one, um, just kind of from one question from the history of things Anna's done at the company. I know that we experimented with webinars at a certain point after this was maybe a few months into, you know, Anna joining the team and doing one-on-one demos. And I think we were looking for a way to, to kind of scale our demos. But I recall that like that experiment didn't totally work out well. Do you, do you recall Anna what, what the results were from that? Oh man, failed experiments. Love to talk about this. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not pointing it out as a failing of of you. I think it was partially a function of the size and how many people we had in the pipeline. But I thought it might be interesting to. I no. I talk actually I do find failed experiments something fun to talk about because you have to wonder well why didn't that work you know, and on the surface it seemed like a really good idea because at the time I was doing these one off calls and my calendar was full. And I was thinking, well, we have so many more people we could talk to. Let's just punch those people into the funnel, into a webinar funnel. So I did one a week and the flow, someone hits the request a demo button. And the response to that would be, great, we have this webinar coming up in four days or whatever. It's uh, a link to show up. No one would show up. Hmm. Like nobody would show up. I get one or two people on the on the webinar. We started running Facebook ads to it. Just tried everything we could. Tried re- revamping the format. Tried to go earlier in the funnel and make it more um, email education rather than a demo. And nothing we tried worked. Hmm. Nothing we tried worked. And so what we ended up doing to to iterate on that is it became that demo the webinar demo became a recording. I actually took the kind of the script of it and Rob and I tag teamed on it, had kind of a co-host webinar thing, put that into a 20 minute recording, really tightly edited. And that became our on-demand demo with if, if somebody was in the lower tier of subscriber, they would watch that on demand. And that's the one that I mentioned converted really similarly to my live calls. Mm-hmm. And that was much better scenario for us because one, I wasn't setting up a non-scalable repeating process every Wednesday where I'm, you know, putting an hour and a half to two hours of my time producing, doing this live, you know, exporting it, whatever it is. And folks would actually watch it. And so I would have people consuming it rather than talking out into the ether. So mm. that was a bit frustrating because I felt like I spent a lot of time that on something that didn't yield any results, but ultimately it did because mm. I learned something didn't work and I did get like a really tightly produced, well orchestrated uh, demo for folks who didn't have a lot of time and wanted to watch it on demand. That's good stuff. Any, any is there anything for you that you wanted to cover that we didn't talk about? Hmm. You know, one thing that I have loved about the whole process, you know, to brought where I am today, is I've talked with I don't know thousands of people who either know exactly what they want with with email marketing or have no clue, and it's helped me to kind of package some of these concepts in a way that hopefully is accessible to as many people as possible. And it's sometimes you look at your what you're where you're going and what's scaling and what isn't. And you think, 
how do I package what I'm doing right now and my expertise right now into something that scales? And I've gotten really fortunate, I think, in the stuff that I've learned through all these demos to be able to package that into something I can do for education in the way that scales to thousands of people. It's just been kind of a seamless thing where if I didn't have the experience with sales and demos, I wouldn't know the product, you know? And so mm. I think that's really gotten to me the, to the point where you ask me a question about drip and I can, without looking something up, be, be able to tell you what the answer is, you know? Without that, it, I think it would be difficult to be at the education level that I'm at. So it's been nice to be able to see that stair step happen without even really planning it, kind of fall it into place. But mm. I think that's sometimes what the most exciting situations evolve as. Awesome. I think it's a testament to organic growth. You know, like our company has grown organically. We didn't raise venture capital funding in the early days. We didn't have pressure to, you know, staff up really fast and, you know, get thousands and thousands of customers in the pipeline from day one, you know, so I think it allowed us to build a more solid foundation for the company and also allow our team to grow in their knowledge more organically. And I think it's just like digging deep roots for a tree is kind of, I think of it like we've gotten a solid foundation and now, now we have a few years worth of learnings to, to leverage. So mm, good stuff. Uh, well, Anna, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to talk with you both. And if you want to find me online, you can find me at Anna G. Jacobson on Twitter. And of course, on drip.co, we have a lot of stuff that's training related. If you uh, check that out, you can dig into some of the more educational stuff. If you're looking to dig deep into marketing automation or email marketing, it's a good place to start. Cool. Sounds good. Today's show was produced and edited by Scanning Electom Microscope Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 230. Thanks for listening.